0: Streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. What's going on?
1: I'm gonna tell you, but you're gonna freak out.
0: Fresh. This isn't happening. See the movie that critics agree is grab your throat entertaining. Yeah, it's happening. Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan deliver magnetic performances. It's indescribable. Fresh. It's a beautiful thing. A star original movie. Streaming March 18th. Exclusively on Disney Plus. 18 Plus, subscription required, T's and C's apply. Starting a business comes with a lot of obstacles, and banking shouldn't be one of them. The HSBC Kinetic Current Account is our award-winning service that makes managing your business finances quick and easy. Voted Moneynet's best app-based business bank account. Find out more at business.hsbc.uk. Download today and apply in minutes. HSBC UK, opening up a world of opportunity. Subject to eligibility, credit check, and terms and conditions. Fees apply. Spurs in full cry here. Lavella!
2: Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who is now neck deep in data viz. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hey, Windy. You've become a bit of a a data visualization expert.
1: Many years after being lumped in with the data viz bunch, despite doing no work in that area... I finally sort of started programming and I'm getting on really well with it. It turns out it was something that I should have been doing a long time ago. You
2: had, had a natural flair for it all along.
1: I kind of, I kind of do to be honest. I wrote, I wrote three lines the other day that I'm so proud of winning. (laughs) What do they do? They, they identify Spurs players. They identify as, as specific players being coys or not coys and then conditions their appearance in the visual.
2: Nice, nice. Okay, that so that explains the um, the stuff on our midfielders yeah. standing out in some of the vises you've been looking at. But it turns out Kyobia is pretty good. <laughs>
3: no, no, no. There's a question about this further down the line. Okay,
2: <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save
1: it. Yeah,
3: I, I do realise though this is just another way for Nathan to throw shade at me all the time. <laughs>
1: I'm learning to code just to disbody on the pod. <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. Like I have a, a good friend of mine who listens to the pod, uh, Sasha, and he. He, When I play football against him, he always lifts his game. And when I'm not there, his game is terrible. But when I play, he turns into like Ben Davies. And that's kind of what's happened here.
2: <laughs> oh, so Nathan's terrible unless it's when he's coming for you. That's, that's kind of the thing, though, right?
1: If he, people ask me on Twitter, like... Um oh what's what What do you think of this what's this uh kind of get your opinion on this a lot of the time if I'm still like working towards building something I'm going to put out on that I'll ignore it but if someone comes at me with something wrong <laughs> that's
2: what I'm like well here's here's what I've got so far <laughs> Nathan is most tenacious yeah. <laughs> I love it um so so we mentioned Literacy Pirates last week a charity that runs after school clubs um, one of the centres is based in, in Tottenham, up the road from White Hart Lane. I'm delighted to say that a couple of our listeners got in touch with Literacy Pirates and have volunteered or offered to volunteer, and and that's wonderful that they're going to be helping out at the after-school sessions, hopefully. We'd love to hear from those people. Uh, there were some donations I saw being made as well. So really, really wonderful. Thank you to the Extra Inch community for supporting this excellent charity. That's really fantastic. Uh, Also, thank you to That Wozley for the very kind iTunes review and shout out to Adam for sending us his his skip story, Mm. which was very, very sweet. And I also want to give a little mention once again to THFC Songs and Spurs Song Sheet. Both doing their bit to improve the atmosphere. Give them both a follow on Twitter. They're coming up with some some catchy Spurs songs. The the Kulusevsky, I'm going to say it that way, Nathan, just to please you. <laughs> Call him Deki uh, the, and then and then the Deki yeah. The Decky song is is a banger, I think. Unless he changes
3: his um, shirt number, then we were done for.
2: That's a good point. It needs to. <laughs> yeah, his shirt number <laughs> needs to conform with the rhythm of the song. That's for sure. On Patreon this week, uh, we had a very self-indulgent live Q&A hosted by one of our ex-subs. Uh, he's had enough publicity this week, so I'm not even going to mention mm-hmm. his name. Uh, we did it for a laugh. It was a laugh. I think people who aren't in the Discord will find it absolutely bizarre, but it was it was a lot of fun. It's now
1: a long podcast of in-jokes, essentially.
2: <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, there's like a cool group of ten people who really appreciated it. Everyone else is nonplussed. <laughs> and Nathan, you made a video about Delhi sunk sunk like a, like the
1: Titanic. <laughs> probably my oh. probably my least well received video ever. Uh, so, like um, I mentioned before, too, how, too far
2: after the after yeah. the after the uh, the move happening. I, guess. I I'd
1: planned it all out and I'd got the video ready. Like uh, once when we when we just sold him, there was a big sort of. Loving all of his highlights going around, people remembering the good times, and I was going to jump in on that. And then my parents got the virus, and I was sort of out of commission for two weeks. And they came back, and everyone's going, "This is just really sad." (laughs) So, 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 don't sign up (laughs) to watch that; (laughs) you'll you'll break your heart, basically.
3: Plus, he's it's been proven now; he's just not very good. Doesn't even get the Everton team. There you go. I was right all along. I'm (laughs) waiting. Waiting for that for that fifty quid charity donation from Wendy to go on my Just Giving page. Can't wait for it.
2: <laughs> uh, we do have a Patreon discount on again until the end of February, but since most people will be listening to this probably on the first of March, I will leave the discount on for one day longer. So it's sixteen percent off annual subscriptions. If you're interested in joining Patreon.com forward slash the Extra Inch is where you need to go. So uh Bardi said pre-recording that he was very, very relieved that we beat Leeds because I mean we've said this before, when when there are two matches in a week and we've lost one of them, we're all just praying for the second one to be a win so that the pod can be a little bit more upbeat. <laughs> and that is definitely the case in this this instance, and we will start with Leeds because it's sort of freshest in the memory. We will Unhappier. And happier. I and mean, happier. We we will touch on the Burnley game for sure, but uh but let's start with Leeds. And let's start where we always do with the team lineups. So we saw some rotation, Bardi. We saw we saw Matt Doherty coming for Emerson Royal. Did you make of that when the team was announced?
3: I mean, Emerson is in such a funk of form that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad. I mean, maybe a few months ago it would have been quite upset about it, but right now it's just it is what it is. Um, and I was. Yeah, that was okay. Good to see Sessignon start again. But the best thing for me was Kulusevsky starting once again in place of Lucas. I think we can all agree that this is this is a big plus and this is good for us.
2: Mm, massive upgrade, to be honest. Uh, Lucas it's obviously. Huge. Lucas was huge, was injured for this one, so it wasn't a it wasn't a sort of um, selection headache as such. That was that decision was taken out of Conte's hands. But I think Lucas is going to find it very difficult to get back in now that Kuzmetski's really been playing fantastically. Um, Nathan, I was very very pleased to say, see Cessignon have a strong first half in particular. Um, I think there's lots to say about this match. You know, Leeds, Leeds go man for man. We've seen that numerous times. They they press intensely. We've seen that numerous times. We've been troubled by it numerous times. In this match, with the way Conte's system is working, Leeds going man for man meant that Luke Ayling was following Son inside a lot of the time. And that left acres of space for Sessignon to exploit. And on the other side, um, furpo was, was often following Kuleshevsky which le- left plenty of space for Matt Doherty do you think that had a, an impact on the on the end result Nathan
1: Definitely but
2: I also think
1: more generally there was a focus towards um excluding the wing backs from build up um to a great degree that yeah. we've seen recently like recently we've had a, like Emerson Royal especially he's been having a hard time being being pressed in, in build up um you know re- receiving half the time like walkie parties from Davinson Sanchez obviously um but but leads man marking means that like if you push your wing backs way up away from the back line, then your centre backs aren't going to get sort of closed down from two angles at once because they're going to be st- you know the the relevant players are going to be staying back and you can manipulate lead shape to your own design based on that. And Session Young and Doherty are two players whose greatest strength is becoming a sort of additional. Mm-hmm. attacker in the box you know um in sort of slightly different ways but it definitely made sense for them i mean essentially like this is what we've been saying all along like doherty isn't good contributor to midfield play um he's crossing is poor but what he's really good at doing is sort of becoming a, a, a third target in the box becoming a an additional uh threat there mm-hmm. um and Session Young isn't too far a movement. I thought he had a sort of more rounded performance. He has, you know, he has some good passing as well on top of that, um, in in many different ways. Um, but yeah, uh, more generally about Session Young, it's like, what was his first game in this run? Who's, who was his first game against? It remember? was
2: it was the Wolves game where he got hauled off, wasn't yeah.
1: it? So oh yeah, it's okay. So yeah, he had a uh, an awful start. And then what was his second game? Did he?
2: Man City away.
1: Okay, so that probably goes down as a, as a better one for him. Mm, and then definitely. he played against Burnley, which was quite a poor match for him. Obviously, we're going to come on to that. But it's like, it's getting that run of games, you know. It's it's so far in his Spurs career, pretty much. He's come in, he's played well or he's played badly. More often, you know, less good. And then he's back at the team again. And it's clear. Everyone has said said this now. It's clear that his issue is is not his ability, but his but his mentality, his confidence, and that confidence. Okay, it can grow off the back of coming in, playing well for one good game. But what it really needs, and what it's really needed all this time, and partly that has required you know regular being out for a little bit. It's just a run of games, and I think this is the beginning of the fruition of of that. Which is not to say that like if he plays next game, like he'll be brilliant, right? But um, but it's something that he needs to grow over time with, with first team football and some and some encouragement and some faith and some and some sort of you know um, positive tactical advantages here and there are helpful too.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean he's only he's only played ninety minutes once this season. That was against City. Um, he, it's been very stop start for him, and like he didn't he didn't get his first minutes until Leeds until with the home the like the, the first game of this when we played Leeds. So it has been stop start for him. I. I understand there's criticism about that. I still think people are judging Sesson Young incorrectly. I still think they're expecting him to be this winger who's just going to kind of whiz past people and do ball skills and the rest of it so I think he's being judged a little bit harshly but I I would like to see him play a few more minutes now I th- I think he's he's young he's English you know he ticks all my boxes anyway <laughs> so it's, it's great to, it's great to start him to start producing something getting a, getting an assist
2: Yeah I think um, the assist was fantastic but it was kind of part of a, a series of excellent bits of play in the first half from Sessignon he mm. handled Rafinha really well defensively I thought but also he was contributing with excellent running off the ball as as you would expect from him, that's one of his key strengths. Um, and like Nathan said, some nice passes too. He he also provided a couple of other crosses. Uh, only uh, one was accurate, I think, but the intention was was there. Uh, and and like Nathan says, Matt doty is really strong at arriving in the box. So it was kind of a perfect game for for him to get the start in. I was quite um I was quite happy pre-game with the Dotty Kulusevsky combination against Leeds. I thought it was a nice a really nice game for that combination to to be involved in. And I was kind of expecting Kulusevski to be providing a bit more than he did for Doherty. It just didn't work out that way in the end. But Doherty, aside from the, the goal that he scored, first goal, he also had that other really good chance when he got on the end of the pass from Kane as well. And unfortunately, mm. his first touches took him a little bit wide. But I think he otherwise probably would have scored that. He, he did a good job of you know trying to lift over the keeper, nonetheless. Um, but that was really, really promising. And I thought... Um, you know the fact that Conte specifically mentioned post-match that he was really happy that you know one wing back passing to the other resulted in a goal. I think that was very telling, very very telling, and, and I think we might see them get some more game time together as well i think there's a there's a combination there
3: i mean leeds were the perfect the perfect opponents was to play i you know there's a lot to really like about how leeds play i do think that perhaps they almost like ideas above their station the way the system they play and how they play they just haven't got the players good enough to to do it and um i listened to you on um uh, all stats are we and i i feel i feel a lot of compassion for leeds man i do I, I'm quite fond of them. They're like my dad's team when he turned up in England in the seventies, he went to he saw Leeds play at Chelsea and he's just always been a kind of a semi Leeds fan. So I've always had always had a soft spot for him. But yeah, you you can't play like that with those individuals.
2: Mm. They've got dreadful injury problems as well at the moment. They're really suffering from, you know, their three key players, apart from Rafinha, uh, Bamford, Phillips and Liam Cooper all being out injured is a is a real problem for them. Um and, and like you say, the the way they play is very exposing when you haven't got that quality on the pitch. You know, especially not having Bamford, I think it's such an issue, not having a, a striker that can actually keep the ball. Um, yeah. Kino says, I don't particularly care anymore about feelings towards him or whether he'll stay or go. But among the best players you've seen in a Tottenham shirt, where do you rate him? This is about Harry Kane, obviously. Uh, Nathan, do you think he's the best you've seen in a Spurs shirt?
1: Um probably. Probably. I think if you take like longevity into it, maybe maybe Bale had a better peak. Maybe you think that Modric and Dembele performed different roles to a similar brilliance, but Kane has now done that, um, for just about every season he's played. Um I don't know. I don't know how far back you wanna you wanna take that in Spurs history. Um I guess Greaves is, is the only real historical comparison.
2: Some some say hoddle. Some say hoddle is okay. um, is worth a shout. Uh, and it's and obviously it's really difficult for us to to comment on Grease and hoddle. None of, none of us saw them live. None of them. None of us watched full games at the time. So we we're very reliant on our our parents and people of our parents' age to it
1: might actually to tell do us. that. By the way, and might I might interview
2: my dad. Nice. That that would be great. Uh, I I mean Kane's the best player I've seen in the Spurs shirt. Uh, I think he's. So, so Bale and Modric both went off to one of the best clubs in the world at the time, uh, and I think Kane, if he were to leave, would go to one of the best clubs in the world, and I think that that speaks volumes. And I think you could have said that about Kane over any of the past five seasons that, were he to leave, it would be to one of the very best clubs in the world. And you know, by dint of the fact that he's carried it on for so long, as you alluded to there, Nathan, I think that makes him the best. It's the longevity. It's um. It's not just the longevity, it's the ability of Kane to not only be an elite finisher, but an elite playmaker now as well. He's just an extraordinary, really extraordinary player. I mean, I do feel very lucky that I've sort of lived through the Harry Kane Spurs era. It's, it's been pretty special so far, and long may it continue. Bardi, how about I mean, you? Where's your rank?
3: Yeah, I think I think the greatest player I've ever seen play for Spurs is, is probably Gareth Bale, but... His time period was maybe 15, 16 months of being like genuine, world-class, incredible, insane things that he, he did. He, I mean, he was a game changer in the same kind of sense of Harry Kane. Perhaps he was even a little bit more explosive because the goals he would just, just swing in from um, from far out. I remember the last few games under Avb where the team was an absolute misery, and he would just pick it up and just blast it in. Sunderland, Southampton, the end of that reign, West Brom away, the goals he scored against Norwich. So Gareth Bale is probably the best player I've seen, but he was here for such a short period of time. Harry Kane has uh, stretched this out for, for seven, eight years, and so he he probably is the best player just because of that that I've seen. Luka Modric deserves a shout because mm. he he was brilliant, and the fact that he's still at the top level right now despite his advanced age shows how good he was and also I'd like to give a little nod to to Berbatov who I thought was a brilliant brilliant striker as well so they're probably the best Spurs players I've seen in my lifetime I'm um I'm kind of too too young really to pass comment on Gazza. I saw I saw Gazza in 91 in the cup run which was incredible. Um Waddle I saw Waddle but it was mostly recorded. So yeah, Kane Kane is the best followed by Bale, Modric and then maybe Gazza Waddle.
2: He had another really brilliant brilliant performance against Leeds um man of the match rightly so sort of pretty much Pretty much perfect. Uh, You know, a a couple of things might have gone better. There was a a breakaway where he sort of underhit the cross and it got blocked out. That's about the only thing that I can think of that he he didn't do perfectly. He was so good again, so effective. His goal was just, I mean, to to be able to watch the ball onto your foot like that, to be aware of the keeper's positioning and just guide it into the far post. I mean, he makes it look easy and it's so difficult to do that. I, I I'm sort of running out of superlatives for Harry Kane.
3: I think there's also something we need to consider is the the timing of the run now, because there was a time in football where you you, you didn't have to get it spot on because hmm. VAR wasn't around. So as we saw in the cup final yesterday, the amount of goals disallowed for offside is that that discipline and that understanding of, of when to move. And I think that's what makes Kane probably the best number nine in the world. Is because he understands that and he thinks through everything he does. His ability to not stray offside—it's—it's it's unbelievable. I mean, the goal that got disallowed at Southampton got for offside. It wasn't offside. He—he's really smart at that, and I—I th- I think he does, modern strikers have to think about so much now. And I think he—that's why he's the best. He also
1: plays the pass early enough to avoid Son being offside. You know?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: That pass to Son which one Wendy
3: (laughs) which of
2: the the ten in the last couple of weeks yeah I mean it does feel like that doesn't it but this one I think this one is particularly exquisite because of so he sort of hits it with his I guess the little toe and and the next toe along uh, part of his foot okay, um, to sort of almost the outside of his foot but not quite um, to sort of put enough basically he makes it go straight yeah. but then it dies just in time to land perfectly onto Son's chest just over the top of the Leeds defence And having anticipated the fact that they're all running towards their own goal it is immaculate it is perfect he makes it makes it possible for Son to control it when you see it from the reverse angle it looks spectacular but it's effortless as well he doesn't look like he even has to try now he just gets the ball out of his feet and he's got his head up straight away He's not doesn't look down at the ball he just strikes it perfectly right into the path of the player he wants to find incredible.
3: Yeah, he hits it like Federer would hit a um hit a shot down to the back end, down to the what the baseline. It, it, there's a brilliant amount of fade on it. It's mm. wonderful. Absolutely. Uh,
1: John McKenzie Leeds fan was was in person um and came away, you know, unable to not compliment Kane on on his on his brilliance and especially that pass.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a common thing when fans get to see Kane in the flesh for the first time, they sort of leave unbelievably impressed. Um, Kane and Son broke the record for goal combinations uh, just again absolutely remarkable two players who understand one another who compliment one another um,
3: the goal breakdown is interesting though I put this in I knew I put this in to put a little cat amongst the pigeons go on well it's um, two goals under Conte one under Nuno um, 17 goals in five seasons under Mourinho Pochettino and then 17 goals in a season and a half under my former manager. So I think it's all down to Jose. No, he unlocked he unlocked the magic duo. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of
2: difficult to argue with that. The only thing I would say is that it was it's literally his only route to goal, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, why not rely on these two fantastic players? Because they are fantastic players.
3: I do think um, I obviously I'm being tongue in cheek here, but I do think the the amount of goals that they've scored under Jose was probably down to the fact that we we lost Ericsson, <laughs> daily dropped off, and our, yeah, our, our other goal scoring routes kind of disappeared. We ended up with with a Lucas who doesn't do doesn't get I guess maybe four assists a season and two goals. So yeah, we had to rely on those two.
1: I'm just running a data visualization here, and it says yeah, all 17 of the 17 goals we scored under Jose Mourinho involved Kane and Son.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I want to give a mention to Kuleszewski for his his very strong performance again. Terrific goal, really impressive. I, I don't know what Lorente was doing. I think he was trying to do that skill where you kind of you you roll the ball under your foot as you're turning to try drag it out of. Kuzeski's path. Watch it back and, and watch Lorente and watch what he's doing. It is absolutely bizarre. He could could have just cleared the ball, but nonetheless, Kuzeski basically picks the ball up by the corner flag and then a few seconds later he's having a shot from inside the box. It's it's uh, really assist. impressive.
3: A Doherty assist, a goal and an assist.
2: Yeah, yeah, he roll, rolls it back to Doherty, who then uh, who who yeah plays the assist. Um, Kosevsky is an absolute breath of fresh air. Nathan, are you a fan? I am. I am. Um, I am a little fearful of like um,
1: building up too much expectation around like the five performances he's put in so far have been really, really good. If he remains at that level for the rest of his Spurs career, then you know what what a player. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be like a, a small dip at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah, you know? uh, maybe you would say you know the Burnley game is is sort of the lower end of his of his capabilities. I think um I think if you look at like the right sided combination of Lucas and Emerson Royale, like Royale he wants to stay wide, he wants to do quick little combinations, cute interplays, um, his crossing is alright. <laughs> I uh, honest. Um uh you know, sort of one touch, two touch football, um, and and having sort of a partner to work with. Lucas wants to receive the ball to feet deep turn take on 12 players um <laughs> and then you look at the combination of Kulusevski as like a number 10 who wants to drift out wide to where the space is Doherty who's like not a great creative player but will move inside to become a target like there's a much better combination of players mm-hmm. there in in the in the latter half Um uh, look like there there are there are things that that Lucas can offer better than Kulusevski can um I think generally um uh tendency to move wide on the ball is not sort of that Conte friendly um but it's definitely working really well for us so far um his, his sort of pseudo wing back performance against man city is is uh definitely sort of the best side of that uh but yeah it's it's working really well I really like him I think Juventus is uh, silly mm,
2: definitely um, Jeff Nellison from Chicago has a question for you, Nathan. He says, I noticed after halftime that Sonny was coming in to that number 10 role that Kane usually does in midfield and uses speed and dribbling to make something creative happen a couple of times. Was this just because we were toppling Leeds 3-0 or is this something Conte implemented in order to get some creative spark?
1: No, this is more like the the defaults of how Conte wants to play the 3-4-3. The, the expectation is that the two number 10s there... Um, frequently come towards the play and offer things in that central area. And Sun's really struggled with that sort of the role, hasn't he? Um, And so in the more recent games, we've leant away from that sort of default and towards, okay, go back to just being a constant threat in behind and don't worry so much about the 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 coming inside and and, and linking and play thing uh but against a heavily defeated leads who are tired and are about to lose their manager and everything else um we got to see that son maybe can do some things in in that position he's not a complete write-off
2: definitely and as we've seen before with son once he kind of turns and is facing goal he's very Happy to run through the centre of the pitch at defences. In fact, he relishes it. Uh,
3: <laughs> he loves it, doesn't he? He really he does. Galloping, and it's not even like um, a bit of skill. It's not. There's no step overs or anything else like that. He just, it just side steps. It's like one of those eight bit computers with the joystick that you could just move in diagonals. It <laughs> he just, he just, it works for him. Hey, did you see his face though at the end of the game? He had a proper scratch yeah. across his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, look, that looks sore.
2: It did look sore. It definitely did. Uh Bardi, you're gonna like this one from Fergus McKee. Mm. He said as well as the usual props to Kane's performance, Romero's superior skill and Dyer's big head, please can you devote some time to Ben Maldini Davis, <laughs> who despite not being in shot, managed to block the shot that uh, that obviously Dallas took, having beaten Larice. I mean, what was Larice <laughs> is a concern at the moment am going to I w I'm gonna st I'm gonna say that right now, but um but Bardi, give give Ben Davis some props.
3: I mean, there was a time we we talked about a lot where Ben was just boiled chicken and veg, and he just didn't offer anything. But since he's moved into a back three, he uh, there's been a couple of mistakes recently, but other than that, he's been faultless. He's good on the ball. He underlaps. He underlaps well. He um, supports the other two, and he's just brilliant. And um, I'm not in a I'm not in a rush to replace him. I'm not out there screaming for a new left sided centre back. I think he's fine. We can we can do another year or two, or even four years with Ben oh Davis. Oh my god. There. I'm, I'm really really fond of him and he is he is my player of the year because he, <laughs> he was really he was he was rubbish come on I'm t- we're talking about like a narrative arc here and he was he was dead we all wanted him gone now all of a sudden he's a mainstay and if Ben Davies is injured we're in trouble we're in deep trouble you realise this yeah, but, because... that's,
2: but that's because we haven't got any other left-sided players <laughs> yeah. rather well, than him that, that... being particularly I mean he's don't get me wrong he's, he's really stepped up and he's played he's played well uh yeah. I'm still pretty convinced that he's an easy up, a player we can easily upgrade uh, in the summer, and no, I think I mean, we will. Um, player of the year is Dyer, sure. I mean, dyer has been dyer has yeah. been fantastic this season.
3: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, he's been great, but he's not Ben. Da- he's not Ben Davies' levels of um, of of um, improvement.
2: <laughs> the block was really impressive from Davis. The, t- the sort of. Tenacity for him and Cessignon to get back and defend that moment hmm. was was good. I was really pleased with that. But Dallas should he should have just shot earlier. Basically had an open goal to roll the ball into and tried to take too many touches. Perhaps didn't trust himself. Um, yeah, it was an interesting moment.
3: I mean, Larice had. I used to play in goal, and every now and then in games which were pretty boring, you'd just do something mental just to um, just to keep just to keep everyone on their toes. He tried to do. grab him. He tried to grab his ankle. <laughs> he he should have just he should have just got him sent off and then then we would have had Galini in goal for a few games but yeah it it was just a bizarre thing he was just bored which is strange considering he was quite busy actually Um, but yeah I don't know what he's doing and you're right to worry since he signed his contract he started to make really questionable decisions and and some some big errors he's had some rough games hopefully that Mm. will just be the end of it now we won't have to worry about it
2: again but yeah he's had a couple of iffy performances for sure Um, I want want to mention Romero. uh, But this is I mean, this will tie into the discussion about Burnley, I think. So what we saw against Burnley was Romero going forward and staying forward. And and that continued a couple of times against Leeds. I I cannot remember who said it first on Twitter, but um, someone, and I I apologize for not crediting you, uh, called him Romero Romero. R O A M E R O so I'm I'm going with that for now when he does these these forward runs I'm I'm really enjoying his performances mhm he's special isn't he with the, the,
1: I, I we were all like singing his praises in the first half against Burnley, and then the match got much worse, and then he conceded the, the Burnley's goal, and it's kind of sounded it. Now I'm I'm afraid to, to to compliment
2: him It's it's still true, Nick. It's, it's, it's still he's a definitely true. Brilliant defender. So he, he's he's basically brilliant at everything except one thing, I think, and that is marking from set pieces, uh, where well,
3: where I, he I, struggles. Or he certainly struggled against Burnley,
2: and then also I mean the this this. Pascal Strike, is it Pascal? Strike uh, header that he missed early on. Um, That was on Romero as well, but he kind of got blocked off by, I think, possibly Dan James in, in that instance. So you could perhaps put that one down to sort of good set piece play from Leeds. But I've noticed a couple of times that he doesn't always get up with his man. He doesn't get up early enough with his man from set pieces. So that's just he's something to keep an He's not used to on.
3: this. He's not used to this kind of chucking it in the box, getting it in the mix of football. He's, he's from, from warmer climes, man. He's from he's from Serie A where things are a little bit more slower, as you like to say, Windy. <laughs> oh, so you're going to agree with me now, are you? <laughs> No, no, I'm just i just talking about one of your stereotypes of Italian football that it's too slow and it, people need to adjust to the pace of the Premier League because it's the best football place in the world.
2: Oh, I see. So, so you're going to use it when it suits your argument and dismiss it when it <laughs> suits mine.
3: Of course, but I do think um, criticizing a defender for um, getting done at the back post by a Burnley special in the rain in the wind—it's it, it, you know—it's it's kind of harsh. Yeah, yeah,
2: I get it. Let's talk Burnley then. Formula
1: One is back, streaming on now. And when you're a fan, you
2: live for it.
1: It's lights out, and away we go. For the drama. There's everything to play for. For the speed. Wow, was that fast? Power, man. For the passion. Get there,
0: Lewis.
1: For the rivalry.
0: Wheel to wheel. It's gonna be tight.
1: If you live for Formula One, stream the whole season with now. Max
0: Verstappen is champion of the world.
1: 18 plus, guys sports content streamed via internet. Full terms apply.
0: Starting a business comes with a lot of obstacles and banking shouldn't be one of them. The HSBC Kinetic Current Account is our award-winning service that makes managing your business finances quick and easy. Voted Moneynet's best app-based business bank account. Find out more at business.hsbc.uk. Download today and apply in minutes. HSBC UK, opening up a world of opportunity. Subject to eligibility, credit check and terms and conditions, fees apply.
1: Don't miss the epic Samsung Galaxy S21 FE at 3. Switch today to enjoy our lowest ever price with six months half price on our selected 24-month plans. Ooh. And you can claim six months of Disney Plus on Samsung. Search 3 or head
2: in store.
0: New customers only. Disney Plus auto-renews at 7 dollars a month. 18 plus. c 3.co.uk for terms.
2: and and and, and look, I don't want to say that this wasn't dreadfully disappointing because it really was dreadfully disappointing after the city game I fully expected us to be burnley uh even at half time I was pretty happy with how things were going. I was kind of thinking, you know, Burnley have pressed fairly effectively, and yet we've been fairly press resistant, actually. And we coped really well, I thought, with their with their pressing onslaught. The issue was that we were struggling to create chances against a packed defence, which has been a problem for Spurs for for a while. Um, but in my view, it certainly it looked like we were getting stronger as the first half went on, and then came out for the start of the second half and looked even better. So I was, I was all ready to go. Yeah, see, look, told you so. We 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 did win after all, and everything's fine. And then, of course, Ben me. Lee- nods one in. They did have another good chance from um, a set piece after that as well. But I, I've noticed some 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 commentary in the media actually that that Burnley really pressed us and it was a real issue. their pressing was a real problem. I didn't think that was the case. It's certainly not in the same way that Southampton was. I mean, was, that was that genuinely was a problem for Spurs. We couldn't cope with Southampton's press. Burnley's I thought was a little bit more basic. You know, they what the problem with Burnley that we struggle with with Burnley is they funnel you out to the wings yeah. and I'll, I'll, and get you to put balls mm. in the box and then they've got fantastic center backs in terms of heading the ball away. And we had um um Emerson Royale, who, you know, we've all acknowledged is not a good crosser of the ball. And others, you know, Krzyszewski was struggling to cross the ball as well. He had lots of crossing opportunities. Uh, uh we just couldn't pick out a man in the box effectively. Um any comments on the Burnley game from either of you? So we talked about um pressing, <laughs> which is obviously an enormously
1: encompassing term. Um which accounts for all of defending, basically. <laughs> so when Southampton and and not alone in that, but when Southampton presses, they're they're going directly all the way to the centre backs and looking to create um turnovers, and they're going like man for man, they're, they're they're matching our shape and stuff like that. Whereas what Burnley were doing is that they they do commit players up towards the ball um but they those players remain quite passive they're not looking to put in much in the way of actual tackles and uh, and interceptions and the like what they're doing is sort of slowing the progress of the ball so they pressed in a four four two shape where they put the two forwards sort of on the two Spurs midfielders uh and yeah, uh, uh, they Burnley, um, despite what I just said about man to man, there they they defend quite zonely and they leave the the wings, so the wing backs are open. So essentially, um, Burnley did a very good job of um, forcing our creativity to come through our wing backs and making things difficult and slow and awkward for our central midfielders. And those are essentially our creative weak points as as, as, a, as a team. And that, to an extent, it's always going to be difficult to open up, you know, a, a strong, mm-hmm. consistent park bus. But also, Burnley had like three wins this this season so far. Historically, Conte's way of opening up a park bus is to just go at it with the wing backs for ninety minutes until they collapse under the pressure and to dominate the game. Um, and to try to, and, and this is what what Conte is sort of really exceptional at is to draw them out into defending higher than they want to by sort of manipulating the ball and uh, and 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 pressing triggers and sort of teasing the opposition with the ball uh so that they come out of their shape a little bit. Um but Burnley were just so um disciplined so disciplined with their shape. Um pressing just enough to make things difficult for us without ever committing, you know, <laughs> any players in front of the ball really. Mm-hmm. Um which again is, is is what they've always been good at, um, but we are. It is a you know a Burnley in the midst of a bad season. I know. I think that, you know um, while we remain not great at, at wing bank, this is going to be a weakness. I don't think it undermines the performances either side of it. Uh, yes, to an extent, if you want to zoom out further and you look at Wolves of Southampton, we're sort of a bit of a, a manic team. Yeah, our performances are very up and down, and Conte. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Body, how dramatic are Italians?
3: Pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah. I have my moments.
1: <laughs> which 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 exaggerates how up and down things are, but things are kind of up and down. But I think specifically Burnley um what I mean to say is that, like, this is a weakness that we're facing and we're struggling through now, rather than an inherent weakness of Conte's football or something that I I think that we can improve in this specific area. I think that we can become very strong um, to an extent where surrendering, you know, seventy percent of the ball against us is a death sentence. At the moment, it's not, and that's partly personnel, it's partly you no know, season, it's partly Conte's, you know, still in his first season, all those kinds of things. Um, but I'm not too concerned about this performance in isolation. It just looks kind of rough when you go. Why do we win four <laughs> nil, and and then three days later look like we don't know how you know what shape of ball.
2: Uh, just specifically on Burnley I do think we were I, I know what you I, I completely take your point Nathan that they've only won a couple of matches all season whatever but um, we played them at a really bad time this is what Burnley do they start the season terribly and then they always kick into gear around Christmas or just after and they start picking up points and this time they've got Vecors to really help with that and he's a he's a good player he's, and he's perfectly suited to Burnley he's you know big lad who can hold the ball up and also put the ball in the back of the net when he gets half a chance um, so I do think we sort of played we, we unfortunately we played them at a bad time when they just started to hit some decent form
1: I don't disagree with that I just find it hard to come on this podcast and be like, Well, we played, you know, Southampton, they had their best performance of the season and we played Burnley, they've had one of their <laughs> best performances of the season and there's only so many times I feel I can actually say that before
2: I, you know, I start to doubt myself to be honest, so I know what you mean. I, I really do think we can put all three of these defeats down to blips though. I really do. I, I mean just taking I I know you kind of said that if you zoom out it looks worse, but if you zoom in, Southampton absolutely pressed us Impeccably, they will never, they'll never have a match like that where they press again for ninety minutes. Wolves caught us out with two early mistakes. And Burnley had a, you know, the archetypal wet, windy night in Burnley. <laughs> awful, awful weather conditions where they just defended their box brilliantly and, and scored from a set piece. They Burnleyed us.
1: I guess I guess the bigger picture, or the more important argument is to say zoom out further and look back to Nuno Ball or look back mm-hmm. to the end on the Mourinho um, and even kind of before that in a different way. And things are getting better and there's going to be more stumbling along the way, but things have definitely improved and the underlying data of how we've improves into Conte is is really quite startling. Um so I don't know. I I've I don't have any fear about us breaking Conte or, or any of that. Or the idea that like we're just completely cursed as a club or that the squad is so bad that there's just like we would need seven years to every all of them have to go, you know, that kind of stuff. I just it's all right. It's alright. It's gonna take a bit of time, but it's it's alright.
2: It's definitely right. I mean, specifically Bardi on the the Burnley performance. Um, Aside from Romero, you know, showing some some really nice play where he brought the ball out and then stayed forward and joined him with some attacks. Was there anything that caught your eye as particularly notable or, or was it just one to forget?
3: I think it's definitely one to forget, and there's going there's going to be these games this early in, in the Conte reign, and at moments where we need like Nathan says to be able to build out from the wings and utilize the space they give us down down the wings, we just don't have the players quite there yet. Also, we lost Betanko really early, mm. and I thought he was having a, a decent game, and I don't Did think you? this was. I didn't. I thought I thought he was doing all right. I think he's still I think his level's better than Winks and I think Winks coming on hurt us a little bit more. Um I think we probably might have been able to edge something from this game, but it's it's Burnley, man, and it's it's Burnley in the wind and the rain and it's it's a bad place to go. And I I swear to god I, I'm fed up. I'm bored of watching Burnley Safe. and I, I really I really hope they go down because I don't I don't know how they put up with it. I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with that kind of Aunt Bessie's football all the time. It's it's too much. It's I mean it's just like it's basically like um, an
2: FA Cup underdog match, isn't it? Except every yeah, week. Every, twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> for for yeah. like, how long has he been there? <laughs> like eight years. Yeah. And, and look, that's not snobbery because Daish is doing a really good job he's with doing, the resources tremendous. at his disposal. It's incredible what he's achieving. But, but I, I wouldn't like to watch it, I must admit. I, I wouldn't like to. I wouldn't say I would enjoy watching it. They enjoy rattling teams, don't they? I mean, and Spurs were rattled yeah. on set pieces. We were rattled. We couldn't cope with their set pieces.
3: Is. McNeil's got a he's got a good left foot. Weak he's an absolute totem pole <laughs> of a striker. He's like what Patrick Stick should be. He's um, he's quite unbelievable, and he was being involved all across the pitch. And yeah, I mean he's 29 years old, but he's he's a proper Plan B. He's a I'd, I'd put him on our bench. Man. He's decent. He's a, he's definitely mm. decent
2: player. McNeil was fabulous again. uh, He always seems to play well against Spurs, but that's
3: probably because he always seems to play well. Full stop. Nick Pope as well. I do do like Nick Pope. I think he's pretty. I don't know what his kicking stats are like, but he's he's just a no nonsense goalkeeper. You wouldn't see him fiddling around the halfway (laughs) line against Leeds doing that kind of madness.
2: Agreed. Um, I think we do need to touch on Conte's post-match existential crisis
3: i'm i'm just going to say i'm I would not be commenting on this i' i 've made a stand i 've muted all aggregator sites i 've muted all our beat journalists i 'm not going to be commenting on this weekly kind of drama of is he staying is he going what 's happening what's what's going on here and just all these journalists and everybody just waiting for him to say i don 't think there's ever been anyone so this, <laughs> this guy before i mean there's, there's, there's like dictators in the world trying to blow up other countries that so they don 't get the level of 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 intense speculation that Conte does. And so I, I'm going to stop. I will not talk about Conte's comments ever again.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, a week ago, I agree with you on that completely, but like he hasn't, he hasn't helped himself in that
2: regard. Has he, he absolutely Silence. brings it on himself. Absolutely. Bring, and this is what I was saying about the transfer stuff that he, you know, this guy, Italia. He's-
3: Giving opinions like, just, just. just, Otherwise, is what he's got. Oh, it was a bad one for the fans. Otherwise, he just churns out. He's not going to churn out. P. R. ready bland vanilla statements is he's not he's not yeah i'm was gonna say something bad he's not like that he's not a vanilla outlet of of information he's um he's going to be upset he's going to be pissed off he's going to be happy and that's what it is and we can't just keep thinking oh he's going to leave because he's pissed off at losing to burnley
1: i definitely did like come away from those first match comments being like well we definitely need to back him in the summer which i guess is like that's the entire point right <laughs>
2: yeah exactly yeah. exactly i mean i i've got no doubt about him staying at the club at all that he just really keenly feels the losses he um he hates to lose and he wears that on his sleeve but the way he does it especially with some of the mistranslations around you know when you're speaking in a second language things can get lost a little bit it, it, it did come across as incredibly neurotic post-Burnley he's kind of sort of The kind of, well, is it me? Is it me then? Am I I the one that's terrible? (laughs) You know, it's that kind of response. And I don't know, it's a a little bit much. It's a little bit much for my taste. But as I said before, I'm going to, I'm going to continue just to
3: accept whatever he says, because I think he's a brilliant, brilliant manager. But what do you want him to say? What what In an ideal world, Wendy, that you write his script, what do you want him to say after losing that game?
2: It wasn't necessarily what he says, although in this instance it was. It's sometimes the way he says it. I just want him okay, to so, be a little bit so calmer, a, a little bit calmer post-match, and say, we need to go <laughs> home and reflect on on the performance kind of thing.
3: Have you seen Antonio <laughs> Well, this Conte? is it. Is I know he's, he's being
2: himself, but being himself is what has raised everyone's heart rate so much. That's why, you know, he's... The, that the beat journalists will be absolutely loving this because there's constant stories to write about what he's saying. Homework for body
1: is to go back and read some some post match uh, comments from Conte at Inter and maybe even Juve after losses to see see how dramatic it got there before going on you know massive win streaks.
3: Mm. I mean, I and Nemo slurred into my DMs after big results or big things, and he goes, "How's it going?" <laughs> 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 i <was> just like. <laughs> This is this is what you get. This is this is what you get with him. Yep. And just we just need to get past this. It's not a shock anymore. He's, um, he's yeah, this is going to continue to happen. It's not a story. It's not no, a but story. It is a story. Guys, it, it,
2: this is it's what you get. But it also is a story because he makes it a story.
3: So it, no because it's not this is if, if something is repeated every single week it's not a story that's, that's what I'm trying to say Is it, if if somebody keeps if you're I can't, you can't even think of an analogy to, to sum this up so I'm just gonna if someone continues to get upset about something that's just that's his behaviour it's not a story that's just how he is so just let him be just let him be upset when he's when we've been bad he, let him be happy when we've won games it's not there's people on Twitter saying he's got bipolar it's just like who the fuck made you a doctor? And everybody's psychoanalyzing him. Just let him be, let him manage the club. And, and uh, you've done really well because I wasn't going to talk about this. <laughs> and God. here I am five minutes later shouting at my <laughs> microphone with a dog looking at me. So I'm, I'm not going to talk about it anymore.
2: Uh, Nathan, Tom Hendy says, watching the Burnley game in Australia, our commentary in pregame were making quite the fuss about Burnley's 4-4-2 and how it will do well to cope with the 3-4-3. They then went on to spend the first half imploring Burnley to hit it long to course. And belittling our wing backs for not hitting crosses early in the wet and windy conditions before adding Burnley's centre back love of fending off crosses. Is there a basic tactical mismatch with a four-four-two versus three four three, or was this the commentators trying to play footballing hipster?
1: Uh I don't think that there is a tactical mismatch. Like again, going back to what I said earlier, is that like um Conte's answer to these situations is to just use the wing backs to to the highest degree right and it's like if if we in that game we didn't have Emerson Royale we had Akra Hakimi like <laughs> we we put three in in the first half and that, that is as simple as that so like there's some truth to what they're saying they're also saying contradictory things hit the crosses early and also <laughs> burning centre-ba- centre-backs love fending off crosses um no, I don't think we need to like be afraid of the four four two. It was appropriate in this match under these conditions, uh, and also maximized. I mean essentially like up until um the the big Bernie chance at the end, not the goal, um it was it was a game with like a handful of shots and mm-hmm. less than one expected goal. Mm-hmm. Um so it was about Burnley making like the game not happen. It's not like we we're like undone as a unit by by the most common defensive formation. <laughs> like, because again, like most teams, whether they're playing like forty three one in position or whatever, most teams defend in a four four two. And also, Conte wins most games, right? So, so uh, yeah.
2: Just to answer that, Burnley's four four two is is particularly specific. So they play with incredibly narrow back yeah. four an incredibly narrow midfield four, and then the front two do come back as well and get behind the ball as much as possible. So you're not gonna come up against too many four four twos that are that compact, that narrow, and want to, to force you out to the wings every time. So I, I mean I think um I think maybe it's 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 just an unfortunate mismatch for Conte against Deich in that at the moment with the wing backs we've got in the form they're in, it's a bit of a problem. Maybe next year if we've got different wing backs things will be different, but um I don't think there's anything specific to 442 that is like Nathan says is, is generally a problem I think it's just that this Burnley 442 is difficult for most teams to play against generally unless they've got incredibly good wingers um who deliver pinpoint balls or can cut inside and shoot effectively. Um yeah I I, I mean I found it an interesting game but very very frustrating uh, particularly as I was expecting to win it and it kind of it kills some of my good vibes after City so Then having a comfortable win against Leeds was a wonderful tonic. Um, Ittai from Israel says, following this defeat, the Burnley game and and blown morale, I'd love to hear your opinions on Oliver Skip. Looking back at the season so far, it seems like the most consistent and determined player we've had has been Skip. Whatever he's played, he's added a ton of energy to our squad and has been a real nuisance to any opposition teams. Are the recent losses related to the fact that Skippy's been injured and how important could his return be?
3: I mean, I think Skip has definitely grown in in stature since he's been injured. Uh, but I, I don't think it's because. I don't think our losses are anything related to him. Berg has played pretty well in, in two of the three games that he's he started recently. Um, I think our, our problems against Southampton Wolves uh, and Burnley are well documented. It's, I don't think it's really centre midfield, although we could always be a bit better there.
2: Anything to add, Nathan?
1: Uh, I sort of want to avoid Skip discourse right now, to be honest. I. I uh... I feel a little up in the air about my feelings on this subject.
2: I'm going to be a coward to back out. (laughs) I mean, I think Skip is a really good young player. And I think he's currently basically on a level with our other midfielders. And so I don't think necessarily that his absence had any impact on the losses necessarily. But what I would say is... Him not being available means that we essentially you're, you're restricted in your choices and restricted in the rotation. So it puts more minutes in the legs of players who might otherwise have been rested. And I did think against Burnley that we looked tired. Um, I mean, I often think when people say, oh, Spurs look tired, they, they, that's kind of a, a go-to thing when you're, you're having a bad performance after a good performance. But actually, I really did think we looked tired in, in the first half in particular of the Burnley game. Probably because they put so much into the City win. And, you know, we didn't make much, we didn't do much rotation. And having Skip available to have played in one of them and, and rotated out either Huey Biel or Winks would have been really, really useful, I think. Um, I, I, I think Ben Tancor is is really good. I like him a lot. I I didn't think he was that good against Burnley, to be honest. I thought he was getting caught in the ball a bit again, like he did against City. Um, And obviously, what was really positive about his performance against City was his his forward pressing was fantastic. And that wouldn't have had the same impact against Burnley, I don't think, had he stayed on. And actually, I thought the best part of the game for us was about the first 15 or 20 minutes of the second half, uh, where I thought Winks was doing a, a pretty good job. But again, Bentancourt being injured is a nightmare because we're down to two fit midfielders right now, and that's going to take its toll. We've seen what happens with Hubert when he plays and plays and plays. His performances do eventually drop off. So just having another body there would be really useful at the moment. Uh, James says, having time to, to think about the Burnley result and buoyed by a great first half against Leeds. Looking at the stats, we had somewhere between 41 and 45% possession. In the Burnley game, it was 60% plus. I'd be interested to know our record with greater than 60% possession because I imagine it's abysmal.
1: Maybe, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's abysmal, but I do think, like, at the moment, we're having a better time when, when uh, either there's like a more even share of possession, there are spells back and forth, or or the other team are having more of the ball. And again, it goes back to like we're we're just not quite there yet with our um, with our individual and collective creativity in terms of breaking open the park's bus. But again,
2: I think it will come. Definitely. And I wanted to shout out Matt D who asked a similar question also about sort of the deep block that we we struggle against. Um, one thing I would say is we've now seen a few different automations be successful. So we, we spoke about the um, the Son run towards the ball and then spinning behind run against City. And then obviously against Leeds, we've seen the the both full backs attacking at the same time. And actually the thing to note about that... Um, that goal was Doherty was on his bike and Nathan made this point that he, the, the wing backs weren't contributing to build up much against Leeds. If you watch that first goal back when we have possession in our back line, Doherty is on his bike pretty quickly, pretty early on in that move. And I think that's, that's notable um, in the Leeds game for sure. So I'm pretty encouraged that the automations are starting to take effect. One thing I would say is it would be really nice if we could not only concede from set pieces, but score from them as well, because that would take some of the heat off um, in in certain matches. And and we've not quite seen the um, set piece goals that I was expecting to date, which is a little frustrating.
3: We did hit the bar against Burnley from a set piece. Remind me. I, it's, I've wiped it from um, my memory. Someone, I think it was Sun whipped it in, Kane head out. Was it the bar? Pretty sure it was the bar. I
2: cannot remember that. So it's mad, isn't it? It's only a week ago. And, um...
3: yeah, I think it was about the 60th minute or hmm. so. I haven't watched the highlights back, but I, I think it was around then. Uh, how much
2: rotation do you think there'll be for the Middlesbrough match?
3: Um, I think we'll probably see Galini. I think Loris needs removing... <laughs> And he needs, to, he needs to sit down for a little bit. So I think we'll see him. Um, I don't think there'll be much more rotation. Um, Kane will start. Sun will maybe maybe Bergvine will start over Sun, but I, I don't think there'll be a lot of rotation. Just because I don't think we have many players to rotate in or out. I did wonder about Bergvine.
2: He he um, is someone who hasn't had that many minutes. Uh, he looked, looked good when he came on against Leeds, I thought. Looked lively, carried the ball really well. I'd be very much in favour of him starting against Middlesbrough. I'd be in favour of, of resting Son and Kulosevsky, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be fine with that. I, I don't think we can do a lot of rotation in midfield unless we play Harvey White, which is which is possible. And then perhaps Regadon comes back in for Cessignon to give Cessignon a bit of a rest. And, and perhaps Emerson Real comes back in for Doherty. So some, some tweaks, yep. perhaps.
3: Yeah, I think Conte might have been a bit scared about what happened with Morecambe, so I, d- I don't think it would be wholesale. But I, I, I have a funny feeling we might see Galini.
2: So since we last spoke about the Y word, uh, Spurs have made a, a, a statement about wanting to sort of phase out the use of the word. And the response from the fan base um, has been to sing it more, basically, and to sort of be resistant to that message. I-, I wanted to say a few thank yous actually for people who've been in touch with their thoughts on the Y word. So Joe Wagner, Phil Mayo, Alex Klim, Sean, Nathan DePaul, and David Deek. Thank you very much, um, Nathan. You had some thoughts, I think, on this. Yeah, it's kind of funny timing that the, the, this, um, this thing that
1: this this thing's been. We did a we did a bunch of um, platforming of of various different opinions. Um, I think. Uh what we've seen from, from from Spurs recently and what we showed in the the um the the sort of little voice clips that we were putting on the end is that there's a there's a very diverse opinion from from Jewish people. Um so the majority of um Jewish non Spurs fans are against our use of the words, whereas within the Spurs fan base, um it seems it seems sort of pretty significantly split and i think that uh basically as long as this it, it, this is an issue for jewish people to sort out and not for non-jewish people to to sort of um you know have casting deciding decisions about um i understand both um you know opinions on this matter both inside and outside of the the fan base I think everyone has sort of fairly reasoned arguments you know the best version of their argument is is a reasonable one um but it's for us to to stay out of and, and for Jewish people to discuss it amongst themselves. And I recommend, in the meantime, while the topic remains unsure, that you, you wear on the side of the caution uh, 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 and do the best by the most people you can and avoid using a word that I don't think is ours to use. Um, it is worth pointing out that most of our good songs contain the Y word. A significant number of our best tunes um that is its own sort of separate challenge doesn't really change the point but i I do recognize it as as (laughs) as a significant inconvenience in in this task um but basically i don't think i don't think that we can we can say much or other non-jewish people can say much or or really reach a conclusion really i don't think there is a uh there isn't a discussion for us to have it's not for us you know
3: it's it's so complicated. As someone who was at the Wolves game, which was the the first game after the statement, the the crowd was singing it after two minutes, and it was a it was a proper stand of we're going to sing it, and this is our. It's word. always going to be that way. It's us.
1: always going to be any time that the yeah. club tell fans how to behave. There's going to be that isn't how it has to come from within the fan base, and it has to come from from yeah. a sort of collective decision of Jewish Spurs fans about, about what they want. You're never going to get a, a total 100% agreement or anything. Um, um, but, but it, it remains their discussion to have, I believe, you know,
3: I, 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 I agree with Nathan. I'm, I'm more so conscious when it's, when it's sung now, should I sing it? And it's, I don't I don't know I can't give an opinion on this either way. It's not for me to give an opinion on it. I would try not to sing it, but yeah, it's it's such a complicated topic.
2: I must admit, I'm slightly cynical about the club's reasoning as well. Of course, of course, I I uh, yeah. It, it, in light of the podcast that that Greg Jenner kindly donated to us, um, go back and listen to that if you haven't already. I think there's some really interesting points, not least that. It is a word that is now being exported around the world due to due to Spurs, and that will no doubt have an impact on Spurs' commercial activity. and And I wonder cynically whether that is part of the reason why the club no longer wants the fans to use it. And I don't think the statement was the most effective way of stopping no. fans from using it. In fact, I think it's more likely to have the opposite effect. You know, we literally have a song that says they tried to stop us, and look what it did, uh, which was sung again at the weekend defiantly by Spurs fans, and will continue to be. Until, like Nathan says, Jewish people have have a voice and are able to to um, tell us what what we need to hear, essentially. It, but, but as Nathan points out, it's so mixed amongst Jewish fans as well. There, there are Jewish fans that we've platformed on this podcast who find comfort in the yeah. in the use of the word, and others who find it abhorrent. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and and there's, there's no consensus. There's no, there's no consensus, and there's no way for us to weigh in on that really, other than again to. to to lean towards caution. Um, I think there's a bit of like a a chicken and the egg situation where it's like um, we receive, or Spurs fans receive anti-Semitic abuse because we use the Y word and, and, and also the other way around. And so the use of the Y word is blamed for... Well, not blamed, but but recognised as sort of a starting point for us receiving anti-Semitic abuse. Like specifically abroad, again, like you're talking about like the exportation of the Y word, and therefore that's going to necessarily lead to abuse coming back the other way. I don't know. I don't know. And
2: again, it, it return to the same point is that it's just not a discussion to have. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that supporters of other clubs who are using the word should not be using the word. It's. I mean, if, if well, yeah. The discussion. The
1: discussion isn't that. I think that is a consensus. The discussion is why is the focus on Spurs fans yeah. using the word when you know West Ham fans are hissing or, or use when, it you viciously. Know. Yeah, uh, and and should there be any concern about us using the word with a positive intention when meanwhile there are like really quite horrific things being sung and done by, mm-hmm. by other fans. I think that, that is where people feel there's hypocrisy, but I don't think it's as simple as that
2: either. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, Ivan Victor says, you probably already answered this when Conte was hired, but what are your expectations for the rest of the season? It's obvious to me that just because we can beat City, it doesn't mean it will beat Burnley, as those two games are kind of chalk and, and cheese. So I expect more highs and lows, glorious sunsets and bumps in the road, and consistency will have to wait for next season. Buddy, what are your hopes for the rest of the season?
3: I, I still hope for top four. I don't think it's done yet. I still think there's um, enough teams in there that will that will mess up and make mistakes, as we're seeing with United and West Ham and stuff. But I, I'm not as confident as I was a few weeks ago.
1: 5.38 are giving us a 19% chance of top four. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably give us... 20, that will 25 change, to 30% chance, that,
2: maybe. That will change dramatically if we beat Arsenal, by the yeah. way. Yeah. For sure. All right. yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know after that game then. <laughs> It'll it, it probably swing the opposite way if we were to be Arsenal. Mm. I'd, I'd say that because they're rated at 60% I believe last time I checked.
1: The thing, it's so annoying. It, it, it's always annoying with Arsenal but like they were quite bad for a long time and they amassed points re- re- despite it yeah. and now they're in a better place and it's it's mm. <laughs> uh, it's it's very frustrating that they survived being as bad as they were and and, and and sort of got on all right with it, despite that.
3: I still think they they have some tricky fixtures. They which really do. Aren't as, yeah, they've got to go to West Ham. They have got to go to Newcastle. They've got to go to Southampton. They have still got to play Liverpool. So have we. So I don't think it's I don't think it's done and dusted. There's going to be a few more twists in this. But you're right. They scraping past well, scraping past Wolves. That should have been a draw. And yeah. They've still got to play Chelsea as well, no, the game they missed this weekend. It's it's not done, but I'm not as confident as I was.
2: I completely agree with Bardi's point about Arsenal's run of fixtures. They've got a really nasty, nasty run. So they play Liverpool, then away at Villa, which is not an easy game now. Um, away at Palace, you know, Vieira uh, is doing a, a really decent job with Palace. They're, they're difficult to beat. Then they're home to Brighton. You know, we we've seen Arsenal struggle against Brighton in recent years. They play away at Southampton. Southampton are hitting a decent spell of form. If they can maintain that, then there'll be a, a potential problem as well. Then they play Man United at home and West Ham away. That's a really, really tricky run. Uh, I would say ours is slightly easier than that. Slightly easier than that. Not not you know, not a huge amount. We still have to play Liverpool too. And, uh, and yeah, we've got other tough games to come also. But if we beat Arsenal and beat United... Then I think top four. I think top four is ours to lose, basically. Uh, but they're tough games. they're Tough games. I'm sort of, um,
1: sort of less concerned about getting top four than uh, the normal. Obviously, I, I would like us to be in the Champions League next season. But I think that our play up all with Conte um, is quite significant. I think that. Um, our spending will be significant. Obviously, Champions League will make you know a difference to the budget, but I don't think it will. I don't think it's like it's not back in the days where it's like if we don't make Champions League, we don't have any cash to spend, right? I don't think it's as bad as that. Um, I, I I
2: do think it could change the number of players we're able to sign, though.
1: It, of course, it will help. It will help. What I'm saying is like previously with Spurs for a lot of the last decade or so a lot has been pinned on whether or not Mm. we hit Champions League and I don't think that that is I don't think it's quite as significant um, to us I don't think that like we live and die on on fourth place as much I don't think top four is our everything (laughs) (laughs) I, I
2: I can see that from the Conte factor yeah but I don't think Kane stays if we don't qualify for the Champions League oh boy Let's
1: not enter the podcast there. Quick, say something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think we're going to get top four. I feel. I honestly, I feel really good about it. Still, I, I uh, as you pointed out earlier, the underlying numbers are really, really good, trending in the right direction across Conte's tenureship. Um, or certainly, certainly, from looking at the start of the season under Nuno to where we are now, is you know, it's, it's it's light and dark. It's there's a huge difference. Even just watching the games, you can see we're a much more threatening team at the moment. We do have some defensive some lapses at the back that we need to be a little bit concerned about, but there's a lot of good stuff happening. We've now got Kulusevski, who looks a, a genuinely excellent signing. Um, hopefully we'll have some midfielders back fit soon to give us a few more options. And of course, Romero and Dyer are, are, are back and playing really well. So I think there's a lot lots of reasons to be positive about the run and it'd be great to beat Borough as well and still have the sort of FA Cup going on in the backgrounds wouldn't it be wonderful to win a trophy Um but I, I do feel good about top four still you've been listening to the extra inch thanks to Nathan A Clark for production thanks to Bardi for being Italian thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music you can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his soundcloud the do check him out he's great follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the extra inch Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.
0: Starting a business comes with a lot of obstacles, and banking shouldn't be one of them. The HSBC Kinetic Current Account is our award winning service that makes managing your business finances quick and easy. Voted MoneyNet's best app based business bank account. Find out more at business.hsbc.uk. Download today and apply in minutes. HSBC UK opening up a world of opportunity. Subject to eligibility, credit check, and terms and conditions, fees apply. Formula
1: One is back! Streaming on
2: NOW! And when you're a fan, you live for it! It's lights out and away we go! For the drama! There's everything to play for! For the speed! Wow, was that
1: fast! Power, man. For the passion! Get there, Lewis. For the rivalry! Wheel to
0: wheel! It's gonna be tight!
1: If you live for Formula One, stream the whole season with NOW! Max Verstappen is champion of the world! 18+, Sky Sports content streamed via internet. Full time apply.